Our scripture lesson this morning comes from 1 Samuel 28, verses 3 through 14. Now Samuel has died, and all of Israel has mourned for him and buried him in Ramah, his own city. Saul has expelled the mediums and the wizards from the land. The Philistines assembled and came and encamped at Shunem. Saul gathered all Israel, and they encamped at Gilboa. When Saul saw the army of the Philistines, he was afraid, and his heart trembled greatly. When Saul inquired of the Lord, the Lord did not answer him, not by dreams or by Urim or by prophets. Then Saul said to his servants, Seek out from a woman who is a medium, so that I may go to her and inquire of her. His servants said to him, There is a medium in Endor. So Saul disguised himself and put on other clothes and went there, he and two men with him. They came to the woman by night, and he said, Consult a spirit for me, and bring up for me the one whom I name to you. The woman said to him, Surely you know what Saul has done. He has cut off the mediums and the wizards from the land. Why then are you laying a snare for my life to bring about my death? But Saul swore to her by the Lord, As the Lord lives, no punishment shall come upon you for this thing. Then the woman said, Whom shall I bring up for you? He answered, Bring up Samuel for me. When the woman saw Samuel, she cried out with a loud voice, and the woman said to Saul, Why have you deceived me? You are Saul. The king said to her, Have no fear. What do you see? The woman said to Saul, I see a divine being coming up out of the ground. He said to her, What is his appearance? She said, As an old man is coming up, he is wrapped in a robe. So Saul knew that it was Samuel, and he bowed his face to the ground and was reverent. This is the word of God for the people of God. Be to God. Can you God. <laughs> can you imagine never going to a church service before ever, and you, you just came into this one today um, and you like someone handed you the bolts and said welcome to the worship service and it says the witch of Endor <laughs> all right it's pretty awesome and then you open it up I'm like okay what am I getting myself into this this whole Christianity thing is a, is a bit odd and then you you get to the scripture sentence do not turn to mediums or seek or, or, or out spiritists for you will be um, defiled by them. I am the Lord your God. <laughs> and then the people sing the hymn. I'd be like, okay, where's the, this church has three exits right now, and I got my eye on one of them. Um, it's a, what a weird passage, right? Um, there are certain stories that we teach our children growing up in Sunday school, right? And uh, we teach about Genesis and Adam and Eve and King David and Saul's involved in those. What we tend not to teach them is the witch of Endor, <laughs> right? Um, but, you know, my, my friend, uh, pastor friend, he, he called me up last week and he said, hey, what are you preaching on? 
next week. And I said, well, I have certain things planned. I, you know that about me. I, you know, I like to have things planned way ahead of time. He goes, well, I'm preaching on the Witch of Endor because it's Halloween. I'm like, oh, okay, I'll, ha- I'll have at it. So we, we got together and we kind of went through this, this verse here. Now, I will say, um, I'm just going to walk through it. Okay, uh, we're just going to walk through it, and I'll probably try to like guide you on certain things that you probably have questions on, or if you've never heard the passage, we're going to have fun with this one. All right, we'll, we'll have fun with this one today. But tomorrow is Halloween, and you know, uh, I didn't. We're not celebrating Halloween <laughs> um, by any means. Uh, in case you don't didn't know, Christians don't celebrate Halloween. Uh, next week we have All Saints. Uh, we celebrate life. And all things good in life. We celebrate Jesus. There is no death in Jesus. There is no death in God. So we celebrate that. But I'm not blind to the fact. I'm not naive that we we get involved in these festivities. And there's going to be costumes and all of that going on. And, you know, and so I just, you know... Being this time of year, I just want to kind of address that really quick before we go into the passage. What I don't want to do is kind of have everyone leave here today and we get the full festival. I don't know what I, you know, I, I don't want that kind of, um, that, you know, leaving with that attitude or that feeling today. But this is a weird passage indeed, right? It, the, the passage doesn't use a witch, the word witch. It's a medium, but basically a witch. Um, and it's one of those passages that you, you, you're like, I didn't know that was in the Bible. What a weird thing to have in the Bible. And then you get to thinking, why wouldn't it be in the Bible? The Bible's a place of gods and kings, right? And it, it has demons and, and exorcisms and all that. So why wouldn't this passage be in the Bible? So it's not that foreign, right? But I will tell you, this particular passage, if you read the book of Samuel, it comes out of nowhere. You have battles, you have the story of Saul, you have um, Goliath, you have all these historical events that are occurring. And then out of nowhere, this story comes in, you're like, what? It's like watching a movie, right? And the movie's going along and it's quite normal. And then this scene comes out of nowhere and you're like, okay, what was the director thinking by putting that scene in? But they had some intent with it, right? Something's going on. So that's what you have to ask when you look at a a scripture like this. What was the author thinking? Well, we're going to unpack that today. But before we do that, before I go through this, um, you know, when I go through this, I'm literally just going to put my notes aside and I'll walk you through it. But I want to share with you something that is intentionally shocking. All right. And I hope this makes your mouths drop to the floor. Okay. Um, Recent Pew Research study. These are international studies on on things. But recent Pew Research survey um, released in an article in 2018 that there are 1.5 million uh, Wicca or Wiccan and pagans and basically witchcraft practice going on in the U.S. This is in 2018 and it's been growing. All right, that doesn't sound so shocking. You're like, oh, 1.5 million. Well, to me, that's a lot of people, okay? But you put that in comparison with the population in the U.S., it doesn't really, it, it, you know, it doesn't measure like you would think, but it will in a second. When I tell you um, that this report also said that there is more Wiccan or pagan practice, these things, um, people practice these things than the um, membership in the Presbyterian Church in the U.S., Okay? Now, that should shock you, 
okay? It's on the rise, and it, it, it is bothersome. So how do we get to this point? Well, throughout history, every time there's been a decline in Christianity or other, other religions that are monotheistic, um, there, with that decrease has always been an increase in things like this. And it's all around us. And you, you can't um, run from it. And a lot of it has to do with us being desensitized as a people. When I uh, was growing up, I remember certain movie scenes that would be scary would scare me, all right? Um, how many people remember the scene in Psycho? Yeah, I mean, it's just kind of like you're like, okay, whatever. Um, when, you, when you see that now, but you remember seeing it then, you, we're desensitized. And Hollywood is really playing into this. We have television shows that glorify murder, all right? They're fascinating shows, uh, investiga investigation shows, and they always put that violent scene at the beginning. Imagine seeing that when you were younger. Well, let me tell you, all the young people are seeing that today. Okay, so where we've been desensitized, they're starting out that way. It's very scary. Um, and like I said, Hollywood's playing into it. They, they, they have, you know, shows that um, glorify Satan and shows that just um, promote, you know, the demise of the family. And so you see all these things going around and you have to think, even with Halloween, I think it should concern us that children want to dress up as murderers from the dead. Um, just the very fact that that is on a child's mind um, it should tell you something. And that, that just the very fact that the child wants to be that very thing out of everything else that they could choose. And, you, you know, so innocence lost. Uh, and I think that because of this, you do see a rise in certain things. And you can't, you can't convince me. There's always those people out there. Oh, you really think so? You don't think video games? You know, they always throw that at you. I'm like... Really? You don't think like killing people every day for hours in your living room doesn't have an effect on your mind? All right? Um, so, you, so you have those like, well, we don't really have the scientific proof behind it. Oh, my gosh. Shut up. <laughs> you know, and that's what I have to say about that. This is just common ethical sense. Okay? And I know and behind the, I think that's the loving thing to say. Shut up. Right? We, need, we care about our children enough that we should pay attention to these things. So I wanted to share that with you. It's shocking. Um, I had an experience several years ago um, recently where a young girl, um, part, of, part of my parish, um, well, I was talking to the mother, and this, this young girl, she adopted her, but prior to that, she rescued her basically from a life of witchcraft. Uh, the young girl used to light the candles and stuff for the witchcraft ceremonies, okay? And they would have the ceremony, and she would be the girl that lit them. And then I was talking to her mom on the phone, because I was learning about this girl, um, you know, because she was just kind of hesitant and stuff like that. And she told me, she was like, every time I, I'm in church and I see my daughter lighting a candle for God, she became an acolyte. So she went from lighting a candle for witchcraft and all that pagan worship down to walking down the aisle in, in a church worship service and lighting the candle of Christ. And she goes, every time I see that, it reminds me that God can work in all things. Okay? And I wanted to share that story with you. I've had personal experiences where I, I believe, I'd be stupid to um, deny this, where I've had um, demon attacks. Uh, when I was, when I agreed, when I finally said yes to God to um, enter into the ministry vocation 
the vocation of ministry. I didn't know what that meant, but I said yes to God. That very time period, um, I, I, had, um, I, was, I had a spiritual attack while I was sleeping from a demon. Um, I, and um, I actually, the only thing that, I, I was trying to say the name of Jesus Christ in my dream. And I can't explain this spirit or whatever that was in the dream. All I know, it was just a nothing. It was just darkness, and it wanted to take me out. Um, and I couldn't say the name of Jesus. And then um, Evelyn said that my, my voice changed, and I woke up, and I put a hole in the wall to wake up. And, and I, I'm not, that's not my personality. So, so for me to say that this stuff doesn't exist, it, <laughs> it, oh, and that night, the cat, right, Evelyn? The, the, this is weird. Of course there's a cat. Is he a black cat? No, okay, our cat. Um, what was it doing? It was just growling in the room in the air. And that, my cat never does that. It's a cat. Uh, you know, just sits, sorry, Evelyn, it's a cat, okay? And it was just sitting there in the room, but growling at the air like a dog. Um, so, I mean, so you can't tell me. How am I supposed to interpret that? I'm a very scientific um, historical person. You know that about me, okay? I, I base things on evidence. But, so I've had experiences with that. And so basically, this stuff is very real. It, 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 you know, and that warning that you, you, you got in the bulletin with, from Leviticus, very real. Take it very seriously, okay? So even dabbling in this stuff, very scary, okay? These aren't just stories you're hearing. They're very real, all right? So um, just wanted to share that with you. It's very real. It's very harmful. So what's, what's, um, what is witchcraft? What is this Wiccan thing? Okay. Well, at its root, its agenda, its agenda is to gain control of the elements around you in order to get what you want. It's an effort to control the outcome of things. And you do this through um, things like magic and spells, okay? And how you go about these spells are very important. And you can do it through consulting the dead, okay? And that's, so the whole, the whole thing behind this is to control the outcome. And think about it. When you, when you like, get a fortune cookie or stuff like that, you look at it, it's like it's pointing to the outcome of things. All these things are fortunes pointing to the outcome of things. You look at the stars pointing to the outcome, horoscopes, all that stuff is to give you a glimpse of the outcome so that you can either accept it or alter it. And that, that's what's going on here. And you want to keep that in the back of the mind with this story here, okay? So in this story, you have to know the characters. So you're watching a movie right now. You have to know the characters um, because they will, they will confuse you. Um, so the first character we have is Saul. Saul is the king of Israel. That's what you have to know. King of Israel. All right? And at this point, he's still king. Samuel is a prophet. Okay? So, and he, he was the prophet that would um, go be, between God and, um, and Saul in this story. Okay? And he was also the last judge of Israel. But I don't want to get into that. Then you have a witch. <laughs> oh, a medium. See, you kind of get these characters in, in place, okay? The cast is awesome in this story here. So you have a witch, and then you have David, King David, looming in the background. And here's, what, here's where David's involvement is in this story, okay? At the beginning of um, 1 Samuel, when you read it, you have Saul up here. He's king, and he, and he starts off really great, and then what happens? He declines, right? And he ends up into a point of, focus on this key term here, desperation, desperation. So you have king up here, desperation. So you have a decline. Um, but you go like this, then you have David over here, and you have an increase. 
So while Saul is decreasing, David is increasing. That is really important to understanding what's going on and what's being communicated in this particular story. Then on top of that, you have actually another character, the Philistine army. Okay, plays huge into this, okay? So literally, picture, picture the scene here. You have the Philistine army. You have the Israelite army. They're getting ready to go to battle. You have a king, okay? And you have a prophet. And you have King David looming in the background. Okay, do you see, do you see what's going on? And like, this is like a campfire story that you can literally tell um, around, around Halloween, like tonight, and it all starts off like this. It was a dark and stormy night. It doesn't say that. I wanted to say that. It feels good to say once upon a time. No, it was a dark and stormy night. Fill that in right there, okay? Okay? And um, let me just turn off my notes here. So we're just preaching from the text, okay? It was a dark and stormy night. And the person says, anyone got a story to tell? Oh, I have a story to tell, okay? And here we go. Now Samuel, Samuel had died. And you're like, whoa, that is crazy. You know, the campfire is gone. Samuel's dead. The prophet's dead. Okay? Well, that's a way to start off a story right there. Okay? And all of Israel mourned. This is a very important character, wouldn't you say? So he's dead, and he's been in mourning. And Saul, the king, you have to know something about Saul. He went around and he expelled all the mediums and wizards from the land. All right, you can picture the person holding up a flashlight on, ooh, like that. And everyone's like, ooh. So he expelled all the wizards and stuff. This story is really cool. Then the Philistine army assembled and came and encamped at Shunem. <gasps> Saul gathered his army. So we got an army here and we got an army over there. And they encamped at Gilboa. When Saul saw the army of the Philistines, he was afraid. And everyone around the campfire goes, ooh. Okay, so he was afraid. Well, why would Saul be afraid? He's a king. He, you know, he, he's a conqueror. Well, check this out. Um, let's, let's break from the campfire for a second, okay? Um, Saul is, he, the Israelites are used to fighting in hill country, okay? That's their territory. The Philistines would much prefer that they, didn't, they don't fight in hill country. Very important right here. The Philistines found a way to come up against the Israelite army on flat ground. Big deal, right? Well, on flat ground, the Philistines had this little thing called chariots, okay? And you can't bring chariots into the hill country, can you? Okay, so the battleground is now switched here, and then the movie scene states this, okay? You know, you see this all flat ground, and Saul looks out and goes, we don't have chariots, we are toast. So this is very scary, okay? Do you see what's going on? That's why Saul is hesitant. That's why Saul is like, we're going to get annihilated here if they are able to bring their chariots against us. We don't have chariots. We got to get them into the hills. How are we going to do this? I need a strategy. So he sees this and he's afraid. And then so, what he, so he's like, I'm going to go to God. So he goes into his tent and he starts inquiring about God. God, what is it doing? He waits and he's praying and he's seeking and he's bowing. And he goes to sleep and he doesn't have any visions or dreams. God is not answering him. Oh my gosh, I got an army against. God is not answering me. What do I do? Oh, I know. I'll tell my servants, okay? You know, you know it, well, God's not answering me. But then the scripture, I'm just backtracking here. The scriptures talk about this weird thing called an urim. Okay, it says this. Uh, when Saul inquired of the Lord, the Lord did not answer him, not by dreams or by urim. 
And you got to ask, what is a reem? Okay, well, um, the priests would wear a breastplate um, up, up over them, and it would contain the 12, the 12 tribes of Israel, and you would have stones on them. Well, two of the stones were next to the heart, and um, one of them was the uh, Urim, and the other one's Dumim. I hope I'm, pronoun I'm pronouncing them correctly. Okay, and they were decision-making stones, and they were close to the heart. So when the priest would make a decision, it was affirmative by the Lord. Okay, and then it was just like kind of this weird thing. It would be kind of like an eight ball, okay, but not quite, okay? I just want to really draw the point home. This is a decision-making device for some people, right? And they would ask it questions, you know? And you would say, was that a bubble? Did someone pop a bubble? Sue, I see your face going like this. Did you pop a bubble? Did Sue pop a bubble during the sermon? <gasps> And you would shake the eight ball. Okay, total improv. She's blaming it on John now. Okay, and they would turn it around. And let's see. Wait a second here. Because, <clears throat> and most likely, <laughs> okay. Uh, so you, you know what? You, you see the point I'm getting at here? All right, see, it's Halloween. I can have fun if I want to. So they would consult these stones, and it would give them an affirmative answer. It was a little bit deeper, a little bit more um, much involved in that. But you get the idea. Get it? Decision-making to control the outcome. Okay? So, oh, man, that was fun, you know? But did you really? Was that noise I heard a bubble? <laughs> Who's chewing? <laughs> Whatever. I'm glad I know all of you really well. <laughs> I thought I heard a bubble. A bubble. Yes, you're chewing gum. <laughs> I love you. I love you. Um, okay, wow. SPRC meeting. <laughs> Just so the, he couldn't consult that. So, and he couldn't consult the prophet. Why couldn't he consult the prophet? Because the prophet's dead. <laughs> okay? I told you at the beginning of the campfire store, pay attention. So we got that going on. So I got an idea. Since I cannot hear from God, seek me out a medium. And they, so they, he sends his people to go out and they find a medium and they say, well, there's this medium at Endor. Ooh, Endor. Okay, something interesting about Endor, it's at the northern part of the Philistine camp. So F Saul would have to go around the camp to get there. You don't do that, <laughs> okay? So, so you get the idea of desperation here, okay? He's desperate, so he disguises himself up. There's Halloween right there, okay? He disguised himself, and he goes with these two men, and he goes to this woman, okay? And he says, I need to consult I need you to um, raise someone up. I need you to consult someone who's, who's dead. And she goes, well, haven't you heard that Saul, see, she doesn't know who he is, that Saul um, will, will kill me if I do this. And he swears to her. I, he doesn't say, I, he's like, by, by the Lord, you will not be harmed. Okay? So you got this whole, you know, if you, this were a movie, you can picture the whole scene. There would be like this weird tent, and she'd be like, eh, with that voice and stuff like that. Okay? Um, and, you know, it's funny. I talked to Alvin. She was like, I don't think she had that voice or she looked that way. I'm thinking she was beautiful. I'm like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> okay? You know, here's the eight ball. Um, but so, so you got this scene going on, and Saul's promises her that she won't be harmed. Okay? So he swore to her. Then the woman said, whom shall I bring up for you? See, I got to use the voice. He answered, bring up Samuel for me. When the woman saw Samuel, she cried out, Woo! you know, with that, with a loud voice. And the woman said to Saul, why have you deceived me? You are Saul. 
The king said to her, have no fear. What do you see? And they look back down. What do you see? What do you see? And the music starts playing. There was a musician with them, you know, and starts, Ooh, you start hearing the music and the lightning and the thunder and everything is going on. And, and she goes, why have you deceived me? And the woman said to Saul, I see a divine being coming up from the ground. He said to her, whoa, what is the appearance? She said, an old man is coming up. He is wrapped in a robe. Gets pretty intense, right? So Saul knew that it was Samuel, and he bowed with his face to the ground, and he, and he was reverent. Commercial break. <laughs> if you were watching a television show, you would have a commercial break at this point. Or it would be like, Next season, all right? This is where the season would end. That's, I mean, this tells like that, okay? So it comes back, the new season's in, or the commercial's over, Geico commercial, I don't know, I can't stand that commercial. That comes back, and they cut into the scene. And so Samuel's now speaking to Saul, all right? And he's upset. Why have, you know, what, what do dead people usually ask when they get raised up, at, you know, when they don't want to? Why have you raised me up, right? Um, just like a movie. Know your lines. Know your lines, people. So he says this, and then they get into this conversation. And then, and then Samuel tells Saul that this battle that you're going to enter into, you're going to die and your sons are going to die. And that's what he finds out. And that's, and, you know, and then you have this whole scene of them trying to get Saul to eat because he's pretty upset at this point. How do you control that outcome, right? A prophet, Samuel, the prophet, and some say it might not have been Samuel, whatever. He was told this somewhat prediction, and it happened. He died in the battle. Saul died in the battle, you know, and, and that's, you know, it cuts to, you know, after the scene, it cuts to David, goes back and forth in the battle, ensues, and then Saul dies. Just like what, what, what is happening here. So, weird story, right? All right? I mean, I had fun telling it right now. But what do you get from that? What do you get from I mean, me as a pastor, me as a preacher, what, what do you get from that? Why did the author put this in the scripture? Because I'll tell you what, if you lifted this out of the scripture and kept on reading the story of Saul, it, you, you wouldn't miss it. You wouldn't miss a beat. The history of, of, of Saul would still be the same. He'd still die. He'd go to battle. So why, why is the author including us? Is it to teach us about witches? No. Doubtful. Okay, is it to make a point that all this stuff is bad and you shouldn't dabble? No, not at all. See, when you focus on that, I've been on this kick lately, it's not what you think. Because when you focus on those little things like that, you miss the whole point of the story. Um, at the beginning of the uh, message, I already gave you the point of the story. It's to show Saul's desperation. And when he got desperate, and if you read, when you read 1 Samuel, Saul is in the habit of controlling things around him all throughout the scripture. Every time he has a decision to make, he doesn't wait on God. He tries to find ways to control the outcome, and he tries to control the situation. So that the author, I fully believe, included this story in, because it's at the last portion of, the, of, this, of this book, 1 Samuel, and it's to show how desperate he had become and how desperate he was in this situation. But let me tell you something. God wasn't speaking to him. He turned the kingdom over to David. Right? I mean, he was in a really bad spot. If you read 1 Samuel, you're going to find that, that Saul was constantly in bad positions where he had to make decisions under desperation. 
Most of us don't, aren't used to that kind of pressure, all right? Remember, Saul was going as a king to determine the outcome of Israel. And he couldn't control the outcome. And here's, here's what we can look at when we look at the story, okay? Every single one of us, bless you, every single one of us is going to encounter or has encountered or, or is going through one right now, a desperate situation. Or we know someone that's going through a desperate situation. I've been through situations where I've prayed to God with no answer. Some people go through that for a prolonged period of time. You know what my answer is that? I don't have an answer to that. I don't know the way God works. I, I really don't. And sometimes when I, I'm like, he's not answering, maybe he is answering. I just don't like the answer. You know, you got to consider all those things. But I don't know the way God works. I've been through... Um, situation was like oh my gosh god just are you listening where are you you're nowhere to be found do you even exist i've been through those situations of desperation and you know what what are you willing to do to control the outcome are you going to wait on god or are you going to go elsewhere are you going to go to seek fortune tellers horoscopes what are you going to rely on to control the outcome because god would have you wait on him he would have you be still and know that he is god that's the advice i can give you that's scriptural i didn't say that's easy because given the chance that someone said hey i know a way you can know the future you can't tell me that's not tempting <laughs> you can so what are you willing to do to control the outcome I would like to say that I would lean on God. That's the advice I want to give. Is my character strong enough to do that? I pray that all of you have a character and a heart and a belief and a faith that is strong enough to get you through these desperate times. Don't go through it alone, all right? Because they will seem a lot more desperate when you're alone than when you're with other people. People have a way of making um, things a little bit easier. And if you're with someone going through these times um, of desperation, I have some advice to you. Just be there and don't open your mouth. Okay, sometimes good intentions and good words and even quoting scripture is, is, is you gotta find the right timing and spirit to do those things under, okay? And I know if I'm like, man, I'm going through a difficult time, and um, listen, here, here's something that's going to surprise you. Even as a, even a pastor, I struggle with my faith sometimes. I think it's because the people told me it's because you're a theologian, okay? So be it, whatever. I struggle with my faith sometimes. You know what the last thing I want to hear someone do? Is quote a scripture <laughs> to me and say, but the Bible says, okay, you know? And here's what I'm going to say to you right now, <laughs> okay? Be a loving presence of support, okay? Don't try to correct them. Be with them. What are you willing to do, okay, to control the out outcome in times of desperation? We all need each other. And that's what we can get out of the story. Amen? Amen. I hope you've received that.